0: It feels like the end of the pandemic may be in sight. Over the past 24 hours, the states of Texas and Mississippi have announced that they'll be reopening 100% in the days ahead. How's the left responding? Well, exactly as you'd expect. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line.
1: For nearly a half a year, most businesses have been open either 75% or 50 percent. And during that time, too many Texans have been sidelined from employment opportunities. Too many small business owners have struggled to pay their bills. This must end. It is now time to open Texas
0: 100 percent. Indeed, don't mess with Texas the lockdowners can go Fauci themselves, okay? That's where we are now. Finally, we can have a real discussion about how to get our lives back. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. I'm fired up about this topic, as you know, because for many months now, I've been saying that they're gonna try to drag lockdowns out in uh, many of these states for as long as they can. They like the control, people are terrified. Mass media plus mass hysteria means a lockdown that will extend far beyond anything we could have anticipated before. Uh, here's Joe Biden, for example, saying that maybe if you do everything he says you should do, if you're good little boys and girls, in a year, you might have normalcy again.
2: When do I think things will get back to normal? I've been cautioned not to give an answer to that because we don't know for sure. But my hope is by this time next year, we're gonna be back to normal and before that, my hope but again, it depends upon if people continue, continue to be smart and understand that we still can have significant losses. Do what we say
0: or else lots of people will die. That's the storyline that they've been telling us all along. Although if you look at the data now, if you start to look at, for example, Texas and Florida and compare what's going on in Florida and California, you'd say, hold on a second. Weren't we promised something very different from what we've gotten here? And now you have Texas finally beginning to take its, uh, take up its role in leadership among states saying, we're actually going to push forward. Now, there are some political realities here. The governor, uh, Abbott, has had a rough go of it recently because of the terrible uh, natural disaster that occurred in his state of the freezing cold temperatures, the ice storm, the shutting down the power. So there might be some politics at work here from Abbott, no question about it. But... I welcome any governor, any state, Mississippi is already joining on this one. I welcome any state into the realm of reality, rationality, and reason, which is what Texas is now doing with itself. They're saying no more statewide mask mandate, and they are saying that businesses can open at 100% capacity, all businesses, as of next week. Cases are down to their lowest level, hospitalizations down to their lowest level since October, and it's just continuing to plummet. So why wouldn't this be the time when we can finally begin to have a relaxation of these measures, especially considering how well did these measures work in California? And this then brings us to another problem. Some of these other states that want to continue to lock down are now going to have, in science, what you'd call a control group. A state that doesn't take these measures, Texas, will be able to be compared to a state that does, California, and we'll see what their trajectories are over the next six weeks. Here's a prediction, Texas is gonna continue to go down, and then California and the people in charge there are gonna make up some nonsense reason for why the data that you can see very clearly doesn't tell you what you know it tells you, which is that the lockdown in California was, as Ron DeSantis in Florida has said, a failure. These policies were failures. Some of us, like me, have been telling you that for many, many months. They can talk about the theoretics. They can talk about how scientifically there's a sound basis for the idea. But these are policies. This is not an experiment where you're testing the temperature of where water boils. This is something where politics has always been at work. It's been about judgment and competing goods, competing values. No, that was all cast aside in these blue lockdown states. Listen to Fauci, whatever Fauci tells you you're supposed to do. And now we've got people in the public health establishment as well who will never admit how catastrophically wrong they've been at many stages of this pandemic. The U.S. is edging toward normal, was the New York Times headline, alarming some officials. Shouldn't we all be absolutely thrilled that we're, ed- we're not edging toward normal just out of the blue? It's because cases are plummeting. And we have to think about reopen and balancing it with the need to keep people safe. But if you're really not keeping people safe with the policies of, of lockdown, but you're definitely destroying businesses, causing a spike in suicides and drug abuse and you know divorce and all this, all these calamities that are certain, that were forced upon us by people who insisted they knew better. Mask up, peasant, be quiet pleb don't eat indoors or else don't eat outdoors mask up outside double mask test and trace is necessary what what happened to all this stuff where's the victory show me where this proved itself as a policy they can't do it but they'll never admit that to you they'll never say you know what we we were probably right the first time around when dr fauci said the public wearing masks wouldn't really do anything that's what the top public health official in the United States said at the start of this aerosolized pandemic. And then when he knew that that was a narrative that would no longer stick and that people wanted the security blanket of thinking that they could stop this thing by wearing a mask, a floppy cloth across their face that's not even properly fitted, Fauci said, yeah, I lied to you guys, but it's because I didn't want you to take up all the good masks. That's the person that we've been listening to this whole time? Guys should have been fired 12 months ago. But no, instead, we had to suffer through all this. Billions, trillions of dollars of lost economic output destroyed all over the world. And for what? So the lockdowners could feel good about themselves? So they could work remotely and have people deliver their Uber Eats? Guess what? Senior citizens were not adequately protected during this, in part because there was such a focus on protecting everybody and shutting down the schools and shutting down this, that, and the other thing when there should have been focused protection all along, but they would not admit that. No, instead, they have half wits like Saki Bomb telling you that we've already like totally paid the price for bad politicians. We shouldn't do it again. Here she is.
3: The president's position on mask wearing uh, is based on uh, the recommendations of health and medical experts and uh, their views that it could save 50,000 lives. Uh, That is why he asked the American people to wear masks for 100 days. Uh, For nearly a year, We've been dealing and navigating and coping with this pandemic across the country. And this entire country has paid the price for political leaders who ignored the science when it comes to the pandemic.
0: No one ignored the science. That's a lie. Trump, in fact, did too much of what Fauci wanted him to do, if you actually look at the history of what happened during this pandemic. Mask compliance over the winter was higher than it ever was before. And we had the highest cases, the most deaths, the the most hospitalizations. But that's because it all worked so well. You must be joking, right? Nobody really believes. I do know. A lot of people still believe that. They've been brainwashed. This is what we're up against, friends. They don't care. Ultimately, let's remember, people can take whatever precautions as individuals they want to and they should. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you want to wear two, you want to wear five, go for it. But the force of the state to run roughshod over the Constitution, individual rights, and basic freedom and human dignity in the name of saving our lives when they didn't even do that, that needs to end. The mandates, the lockdowns, that part of this needs to stop god bless texas and mississippi for making the right move here okay now texas and florida may be leading the way on reopening but how long will blue states continue to enforce their restrictions <laughs> we'll talk to california congressman devin nunes when we come back have you ever wanted to invest in real estate but you didn't have the time to do it on your own you didn't know where to start i felt exactly the same way as you until about a year ago You see, I've always loved the idea of real estate investing, but I didn't know how to invest in real estate while fulfilling all my obligations. I mean, I'm like you, I'm really busy. How was I ever gonna take the time to figure out the first steps of real estate investing on my own and do it in a way where I'm making smart moves? Well, then I met my friends at Done For You Real Estate. They took all of the guesswork out of it for me. They found me an awesome property. They rented it out for me right away. The same week I closed, I got a tenant in. They manage it for me, and now I get a check every month like clockwork. Don't wait another second to see if my buddies at Done For You Real Estate can do for you what they did for me. Go visit doneforyoubuck.com to see how it works. They will take you through the process step-by-step from what city to what house to what mortgage lender, all of it. Okay, go to doneforyoubuck.com. That's doneforyoubuck.com to start your real estate investment journey today. Big decision by governors in Texas and Mississippi announcing an end to their state's lockdown and mask mandates. Both have said they can no longer bear witness to the economic devastation brought on by the pandemic.
3: We are not going to continue to use the heavy hand of government
1: when it is no longer justified by the reality we see around us. Too many Texans have been... Sideline from employment opportunities. Too many small business owners have
0: struggled to pay their bills. This must end. This is President Biden announced that every American adult will be able to get vaccinated by the end of May. So why aren't other states following suit? Well, here to discuss California Republican Congressman Damon Nunes joins us now. Congressman, good to see you.
1: Thank you, as a state that's in
0: in full lockdown in California and
1: we're locked here in the Capitol behind fencing and razor wire.
0: Yeah, it seems like freedom is in very different places depending on where you are in the country. And you are are a representative from California. The governor of your home state, Gavin Newsom, responded absolutely reckless to this associated press story about Texas lifting the mask mandate. What do you expect the California response is going to be to other states saying, we're just gonna start letting people go back to normal life.
1: Well, the irony here is with, Newsom is the last person who should talk about social distancing and masks, uh, because this is the guy who, when everything was closed, including the restaurant that he was at where the people in California were forced to eat outside, he was inside, no mask, no social distancing with lobbyists, that the famous French laundry incident that you know, so far, I think conservative media has gotten that out there. I think there's still a large swath of Californians that don't know that that actually happened uh, because of the, unfortunately, the situation we have with legacy media and social media and actually reaching those people. So the irony, uh, Buck, is, uh, you know, these guys never uh, so, you know, cease to amaze me at the audacity they have.
0: Given the announcements on lockdowns and mask mandates by governors Abbott and Reeves, were some of your Republican colleagues, at least on Capitol Hill, praising this? Uh, were you hearing that maybe there'll be other states that are planning to file uh, to, to follow suit? Look, I, I think a lot of states have been
1: open, right? Florida, we we were just down at Florida at CPAC, mm-hmm. I saw you over the weekend, and it, you could largely see that, that it's mostly open. I think people are generally being careful, uh, as as has been from the beginning of this pandemic. What do we know from the very, very beginning? It hasn't changed. If you have any type of, of comorbidity, you have to be very, very careful. And if you're over the age of, of 65, you need to be very, very careful. But you know now a lot of those people have been vaccinated now, including here in Congress, where everybody that has want, that's wanted to be vaccinated has been vaccinated. A lot of members of Congress have already had COVID, uh, plus a lot of the staff have been vaccinated. So... You know, we're kind of kind of wondering why are we not just meeting like a normal Congress would meet? You know, even the United States Senate is meeting in a normal fashion. You know, they don't have mask mandates in the U.S. Senate, but we have a mask mandate in the House of Representatives. We even have magnetometers uh, to stop all of the dangerous members of Congress that might be walking in with a gun or a grenade or something, because that normally happens here in the county.
0: White House Senior Advisor Andy Slavitt. Had this to say about the Texas announcement, wanted to have you react to it. We think it's a mistake
2: to lift these mandates too early. Uh, masks are saving a lot of lives. The president has been very clear about the fact that in the first 100 days of his administration, we could save 50,000 lives if we stick to this. So I'm really hoping that the businesses and the community and people in Texas, the mayors, the county, um, will uh, will rethink this. I hope the governor rethinks
0: this. Seems like this is a situation where the numbers and the data should actually be pushing in one direction or the other, and do do you think that, I mean, I've put out a pretty clear prediction uh, in writing and in public that within six weeks you'll see the Texas trend will continue to go down, there'll be no difference in the overall trajectory of what we're seeing right now, at least not a noticeable one. If that's correct, is that going to put pressure on states like California and New York to stop with their continued and seemingly endless lockdowns?
1: Well, this is the thing that there's a lot of data that is out there, uh, but I think most importantly, as it relates the states that have been the most locked down have been the most deadly. So, I mean, that's just a, it's just a fact. And uh, as you move forward, you know, nobody can predict what's gonna, gonna happen here. This is a pandemic, you've got all kinds of concerns about it, but the bottom line is that we can't stay locked down forever. Most people are gonna be vaccinated. I mean, look, it's time to, to open the country Back up, and many states have been open. I mean, how do you like my children? Just went back to school last week, and they're only going two days a week for a few hours a day. And but yet, kids across this country, across the Midwest, and, and any Republican state, basically, uh, at the most, they were out of school for for you know a few weeks. You know, for example, the state of Florida, the kids were only out of school for a few weeks a year ago. They've been in school this whole this whole year. So. Uh, Look, the, the left loves this pandemic because they're using it to grab and hold and keep power, and so they want this to go on indefinitely. I mean, you had Biden uh, yesterday who came out and said, "Oh, this is probably going to be for for another year," and of course, you know, he he likes that. But this is also the same guy that said just a few weeks ago that you know he didn't have any vaccines when he got in office, even though he had taken the vaccine when President Trump was still president. So. Uh, look, Buck, the, the issue with masks has always been this. If, if you, if you want to wear a mask, you, you darn sure better make sure that it, it's an N95 mask or better and that it's clean and, and sanitar- sanitary. So, you know, I have no problem. I mean, I've traveled all around the world like, like, like you have. Uh, you have a lot of people that wear, wear masks on airplanes. Um, so there are certain diseases that masks definitely will, will help with, But I've said this from the very beginning, you have to wear the right mask and you have to wear it right. And so let me just point out another hypocrisy. You can go back and you can find all kinds of video about this, but Nancy Pelosi, who was getting her hair done when everybody else in California couldn't get their hair done, I would also bring attention to the masks that she was wearing. She was wearing designer masks to, to match her outfit of the day. Now look, it may look nice, it may make you feel good, but it doesn't do a damn thing.
0: Yeah, that, that, look, that, Chanel, that Chanel scarf is not rated for epidemiological purposes. I think that's pretty clear. Congressman, before that's we right. let you go, I, I wanted to ask you uh, about the House passing uh, the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that's got nothing to do with COVID relief. Uh, you got the $270 million in arts and humanities endowments, $200 million for museums and libraries. It feels like this is just a Democrat spending bill with some COVID relief thrown into it. What do you see? Yeah, so, so this is a play
1: call that the left has used before, and they used it very well. Uh, I'm old enough to remember, and so are you, and your audience is old enough to remember. Uh, when President Obama took office in 2009, he said, we're going to have to pass something immediately so that we can get the economy going. And they passed an $800 billion stimulus bill at the time. Now, what led out of that stimulus bill... Uh, That money was used as a slush fund throughout the Obama years to basically buy votes and pay off donors. And it led to things like cash for clunkers. Remember the Solyndra battery debacle Mm -hmm. where just billion dollars disappeared somewhere? Uh, So so those are the types of things uh, that the Democrats, they know what they did in 2009. So they said, what the hell? We've got COVID. Let's not let a crisis go to waste. Let's do two trillion this time uh, to make sure that we can continue to buy people off. So they'll just have a slush fund there uh, that Congress will then be t- completely taken out of that mix and Susan Rice and Obama will be able to basically dole this money out around the country to all of their buddies or to whenever they need to buy a vote. You mark my words, that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's the Obama administration playbook all over again. Almost like that's exactly what we're well, getting it, here with it's this.
1: Not only Obama administration, it's o- Obama's running the White House. Okay? Let's uh Biden doesn't even, he does no press conferences. He can't remember if he was vaccinated or not. Um, He's he's not answering anybody's questions. He never campaigned. So you have to ask yourself who's running the the White House and everybody that was in that Obama sphere is now over there running this. In fact, if you were involved in the Russia hoax, you actually got a promotion.
0: Yep, I know it was career advancing to lie about President Trump for four years and his ties to Russia. We remember at the, in the early stages of that, Congressman, you actually blowing the whistle on those who were part of the, of the lie. But unfortunately, so far, they've gotten away with it. But we'll continue to follow that and everything else here. Congressman Devin Nunes of California, great to see you, sir. Thanks for joining. My pleasure, Buck. Thanks for having me. Humanitarian crisis continues to loom on the southern border with Biden administration policies drawing tens of thousands of migrants into the U.S. Coming up, Sheriff Bill Weyborn of Tarrant County, Texas, is going to give us a view from right down along the border. These days, being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable, and we can all benefit from something reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I mean, look at the trillions and trillions of dollars of fiat currency sloshing around. You don't think that's gonna affect the value of the dollar long-term? That's why reliability with gold and silver is key. I'm talking about real gold and silver you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now. Learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. It's who I get my gold and silver from. Give them a call right now at 833 600 GOLD. One more time, that's 833 600 GOLD. Biden has been in office less than two months, and he's already managed to turn the southern border into a looming humanitarian catastrophe. We learned today that more than 100 migrants released by the Border Patrol into the U.S. have tested positive with COVID since the last week in January. This is the Biden team reopens a border juvenile detention facility from the Trump era to prepare for the surge in unaccompanied migrant children. But DHS Secretary Mayorkas doesn't seem worried.
1: Do you believe that right now there is a crisis at the border?
0: I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. Let's bring in someone who knows the topic well, Sheriff Bill Wayborn of Tarrant County, Texas. Sheriff, is there a crisis at the border or not? Let's start with that.
3: Well, let's just be frank. There is a crisis at the border and uh, we've got tent city down there and we've got them come, a lot of people coming over from all over the world that, that are now in the United States.
0: And we've got NBC reporting that some COVID positive migrants took buses in North Carolina, Maryland, and New Jersey. Are they testing migrants? Well, what's going on with this? I mean, people read the headline. They say, hold on a second. So there are illegal immigrants into the country who are testing positive with COVID and they're being released to wherever they want to go in the country, what are the protocols here?
3: Well, what I understand is as of several weeks ago, they didn't have the testing capability at the border. So they were coming in unknown. Now they're testing and it looks like uh, some reports are about 6% of those coming across the border are going to be COVID positive. And those people are being vetted and I believe they're being released into the interior of the United States.
0: There's also a major influx of unaccompanied minors, of, of children in many cases, or teenagers. Uh, 13,000, according to CBP, are expected to cross in May alone. I mean, they're, they're projecting out here what they think is gonna happen. Here we've got DHS projections of, of unaccompanied migrant children uh, this year. They're, they're expecting 117,000 for the year, which people can see would be the most we've had stretching back to 2018 and and almost a double that 2018 number. Sheriff, What what's causing the huge surge in unaccompanied minors at the border? What's happening here?
3: Well, there's several things going on. One, I think there are parents that are in horrible places that are saying kids go north for a better life, but also all these kids coming across, you've got to believe that the cartel's got their hand in it. And what a great American tragedy of 120,000 kids coming across that border. And they're going to end up in sex trafficking or some people saying being slavery, rape issues Uh, down there. They're going to be recycled. We know we're hearing stories of recycling where they're being used to get other people across the border because they're a family unit. So there's all kinds of organized crime going on around these kids. It has become... And is becoming the great American tragedy, and this is just awful. My heart breaks for those children. I, uh, I, ho- I hope as they find sponsors that my fear is, is that these people that uh, are evildoers, and uh, and of course it may just overburden our already overburdened foster care program. But as you show in pictures of those those poor children, those poor, poor innocent children, uh, it's a horrible tragedy and. You know, and I guess on a, maybe a positive note, we're protecting him from that evil Dr. Seuss, I hear. But- I, uh, Yeah,
0: there's at least, at least six of his books will no longer find their way uh, into those, those children or any children's hands for that matter, given what's going on here. But Sheriff, tell me, you mentioned the cartels. What have we seen with cartel? Uh, I mean, uh, tell everybody how much the cartels benefit from human smuggling activity. I also want to know, just how active have the cartels been during this pandemic lockdown in general? Are you expecting a big surge in cartel activity as things begin to open up in Texas and elsewhere?
3: Well, what we already saw since January 20th uh, is notably is that is that when President Trump came into office, what we saw was his methamphetamine was $20 a gram coming out of Mexico. Well, by the time he left office, it was $80. Well, it's already back down to 20 and $25. So as you can see, you know, there's an abundance of it already coming into the United States. So cartel activity has been going on do- during the pandemic. They haven't slowed down a bit and they are rising up right now. They have been given a lot of carte blanche with these uh, border crossings.
0: And tell me uh, what what your expectations are here for how it's going to affect, I mean, you're, you're a sheriff in, in a large county in Texas and now the Biden administration came in. Day one executive order That changed some of the deportation proceedings. How is it affecting law enforcement? How is the Biden administration order on immigration affecting law enforcement cooperation, detainer proceedings, and other aspects of enforcement that fall into your area of operations?
3: What they have done is they have slimmed the number of people that can even be detained. If you're creating, if you're committing high misdemeanors and low level felonies, you're not going to be detained and every detention is going to be reviewed by attorneys probably in washington before you can ever actually put that detainer on them so people could come and go out of jail and back into the community before they're ever detained so he's made it very very difficult to keep the criminal illegal alien in jail and off the street now of your neighborhood so that's i think that's going to be the hugest impact
0: is your, is your uh, county, by the way, how does it fall into the sanctuary versus non-sanctuary jurisdiction? And on, on immigration issues, are, are you allowed to cooperate? Do you cooperate actively with the feds? And what about some of your other law enforcement colleagues?
3: In Texas, it's illegal to be a sanctuary county. And, and a sheriff or a chief of police can be removed from office if they do that. So we are certainly working with ICE uh, we work with ICE all the time. Currently, I have a jail population of 4,100, and I probably have 300 illegal aliens that are there that represent some 23 different countries, from everything from murder to child molesting and on down uh, to DWI. Uh, but we are not a sanctuary county, although the Biden administration is sure making it look like it.
0: Before that let you go, uh, Sheriff, get back to your law enforcement duties. I just want to know... Uh, We've got 4,000 crossings already daily is the latest estimate that, that we pulled up from publicly available numbers here. And 97% of beds for unaccompanied minors are already full. What do you foresee happening at these uh, border crossings and detention facilities along the border, particularly for, for unaccompanied youth, but in general for illegal immigrants in the weeks and months ahead?
3: Well, it has and will continue to o- overwhelm our people on the border that are working the border. Border patrolmen down there are gonna be babysitters. They're gonna be changing diapers and they're gonna be taking care of kids. And that they won't be able to do their regular duties, which gives, by the way, the cartel an open border.
0: Sheriff, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for your work you're doing down in Texas. You take care. God bless. President Biden's taking a decidedly softer approach on China than President Trump did. I recently spoke to Gordon Chang about America's shift in policy and our growing tech war with Beijing, and we got that for you coming up next. This past weekend at CPAC in Orlando, Florida, I was joined by the author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War, Gordon Chang. We discussed China's rise to superpower status, the ongoing tech war between our nations, and what the future of China's economy means for the geopolitical landscape. Take a look. I'm at CPAC, but China is on a lot of people's minds given the challenge they pose to the United States and what it means for our economy, for national security. I'm going to be on a panel talking about the Russian, I'm actually speaking about the Russian side of it, and Chinese cyber threats and big tech threats to the U.S., but well, I've got the man himself here to talk to us about what's going on with China in all regards. Gordon Chang is with us, and he is the author of The Great US, uh, U.S.-China Tech War. Gordon, it's always good to see you. Thank you so much, Buck. And Gordon G. Chang is his Twitter. Folks, you should follow him and read his latest research and, and uh, analysis on these topics. Gordon, what is right now for the Biden administration the biggest challenge that they have with China that you're worried they're going to fail?
2: Well, probably it's going to be the South China Sea in Taiwan. You remember on January 23, China's H6K bombers, they're nuclear capable. While they were threatening Taiwan by going through its air defense identification zone, they also simulated an attack on the Theodore Roosevelt carrier strike group, which was in the vicinity. So that was a message not only to Taipei, but certainly an extremely pointed message to the Biden administration.
0: Now, if somebody asks you to gauge the biggest challenge we have from China on the, the cyber front, something that's getting talked about a bit here at CPAC, how do you view that going from the U.S. perspective right now?
2: I think the problem is you know, China's cyber criminals. I get that. But the, most, the biggest threat is that we're not defending ourselves. This is our country. We know that they've been doing this for decades. We don't do enough about it. Um, And so it's really, I think, a problem of American um, inability to defend our own networks. Just give you one example. Um, And this is the one that really sticks in my craw. Um, And this goes back to 2014. That was the time of uh, the cyber attack on Sony Pictures Entertainment. Obviously came from North Korea. But those North Koreans were actually on Chinese soil when they launched that attack. They were launched from Chinese IP addresses. Now, the FBI at the time was asked, is any other country involved? The answer was no. That is just impossible because China maintains the Great Firewall. It is the world's most sophisticated set of internet controls. The Chinese knew, of course, about the North Korean hackers, that they're permanently on Chinese soil but they launched it, went through the great firewall. The uh, Chinese obviously saw it go out. They saw the hundreds of terabytes of data exfiltrated from Sony that came back into the China. And, and yet the FBI was saying, no, no other country involved. That shows you this is a failure of the United States to defend our networks when the FBI wasn't willing to tell the truth.
0: Gordon, in terms of the, the tech race that we have right now with China, 5G comes to mind. There are a number of areas. I mean, if the U.S. is going to maintain its position as the global leader really in, in all senses, but, but particularly in a commercial and economic sense, technology is absolutely critical. You mentioned that, cyber the-, that the Chinese Communist Party has a vast uh, network of cyber theft going on, has for a long time. How far ahead are we when it comes to Chinese technology and where are areas where we may even be at risk of falling behind?
2: Well, there are areas where we are behind and we're years behind. So, for instance, quantum communications. The Chinese have it, we do not. And this is particularly galling because it was an American who discovered really the principles that that permit quantum communications. Albert Einstein, he talked about the spooky phenomena of particles at great distances moving in tandem. That permits quantum communications yet the Chinese were able to develop this with a lot of resources and also bringing in a lot of foreign talent and it's unhackable so they've got it we do not you know artificial intelligence we probably are still ahead maybe by a few years quantum computing we're maybe ahead by a couple of years um but there are a lot of things where you know it's really very very close
0: how should we look at the changes that are already happening that you expect to happen Between the U.S. approach to China, I mean, I know there was this almost maniacal focus on Russia during the Trump administration. Now we're in the Biden administration. There seems to be a broader recognition because of the the politics having shifted here that China is a much bigger concern, challenge across the board for America than than Russia is. Russia still has stuff it can do, but China is a bigger concern. How is the Biden administration doing things differently so far? And where do you expect them to do even more things differently going forward?
2: What we have is executive orders, and that tells us what he's been doing, and that is particularly distressing. So, for instance, just a little background. May 1st, 2020, President Trump issues an EO, executive order, which says no American utility or grid operator can buy equipment from China because it could be sabotaged. What does Biden do? First hours of his presidency on January 20. He issues an executive order that repeals that prohibition. Now I understand every administration wants to review the China policy of its predecessor, but leave the protections in place. What Biden did was indefensible. It's leaving America vulnerable to sabotage. I I can't explain why he would do that. Now we've seen also similar moves on the part of the Biden administration to take down Trump era protections. And so that gives you a sense. Trump and uh, Biden administration officials sometimes say some very good things, music to the ears of people who are concerned about China. But we got to see what they were doing. And so far, this is a big giveaway. And one more thing, Buck, I'm sorry. No, go for it, please. Um, What Biden did with regard to China and his executive orders were giveaways. They were unilateral decisions and actions. We didn't get anything in return. How do you
0: think the Chinese economy is going to do, given that they have seemed to at least try to get out of the get out of the, the lockdown situation faster than we have here in the U.S. That's at least been a goal. Are you expecting China to go back to a year of, of major economic growth, in part because they view this as an opportunity to get ahead of, of the U.S., right? To close that gap a little bit more coming out of COVID?
2: Well, they certainly view it that way. In the Chinese uh, state media and their friends say 8% growth for Beijing this year. That's really unlikely. And the reason is that no economy is going to do well unless a country has safe and effective vaccines and they've been able to put them into the arms of people. You know, we've got three vaccines now, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson, which was recently given FDA approval um, a couple days ago. China doesn't have any vaccine that is both safe and proven to, uh, that is proven safe and to be effective. There are vaccines You know, have had trials of 35% effective, you know, um, up all to 50% effective, maybe some 65%, but they haven't been proven safe, and we haven't seen the data, and countries will only accept Chinese vaccines if they can't get Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson.
0: What is the what do we know at this stage about the Wuhan lab? facility theory right where are we in that investigation bring us into the COVID discussion here what's the latest and what do we know about where this thing actually came from
2: well the world health organization mission to wuhan which wrapped up about two weeks ago said that it was extremely unlikely that it was a lab leak Um, but also we also know that uh, the trump administration felt that it was the most credible uh, likely source of the disease you got to remember just, just put everything aside for the moment. We know that the, the, the uh, lab was looking at coronaviruses. We know that they were engineering to make them more dangerous. We know it wasn't adhering to safety protocols. And this virus just happens to start 20 miles from that lab. So I think it's certainly the most credible source. And there's a lot of more scientific evidence that shows that's the case.
0: What are you going to be looking for if you were, if you were sitting on the other side of the chessboard and looking to see uh, to, to, I should say, get ahead of what Xi Jinping would like to do, would like to accomplish vis-a-vis U.S. policy in the next two years.
2: He wants to overthrow our government. Whether he can do that this year or next year or maybe five years down the road, that's what he's trying to do. You have to look at what he's doing to incite violence on American streets, which is what China did last year and what China did in January of this year.
0: Gordon Chang, everybody. Follow him, uh, GordonGChang.com. Also on Twitter, GordonGChang. And you can check out the great U.S.-China tech war. Gordon, always appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Buck. Should the voting age be lowered to 16? At least one congresswoman thinks so. we got that story and more coming up in tonight's Quick Hits. You never thought that COVID-19 could cost you your home, right? Well, it just might. Cybercrime's up about 75%. And by far the most serious cybercrime to worry about when it comes to your home is home title theft. That's right, cyber criminals, foreign and domestic, they're after our homes and it's a lot easier than you'd think. The title documents to our homes are online now, they're in the cloud, they're stored on servers. The thief finds your home's title, forges your signature on a quit claim deed, stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans on your home and leaves you in debt. You won't know until late payment or eviction notices arrive insurance doesn't cover you and neither do common identity theft programs that's why i protect my home with home title lock the instant home title lock detects tampering it shuts it down okay it goes right after this and shuts down tampering with your home's title all you have to do is go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim then use code radio for 30 free days of protection that's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com. Congresswoman Iona Presley introducing legislation to lower the U.S. voting age. And should you mask up every flu season forever? One doctor seems to think so. we got those stories on Quick Hits. I want to start with Dr. Paul Offit. Uh, he's a guy who was on MSNBC, one of these MD experts they put on to tell you to be terrified forever of the pandemic and do whatever Fauci says, slash whatever the Democrats tell you to do. And of course, allow for all kinds of changes to the way that we vote and everything else. Don't ask any questions peasant, do as you're told. That's the way it's been. Some of us at the beginning of the pandemic were pointing out that specifically on issues like masking and social distancing, if these are so effective, and if if it saves just one life is really the mantra, the mentality that we have for this, Why do we never mask up during flu season? Flu kills a lot of people all the time. And they said, shut up. That's not, that doesn't matter. That's not uh, important right now. This is different than flu. We said, no, we understand it's different than flu, but the same logic applies that we never did this before and it's so easy to mask and we save so many lives. So why didn't we do this before? They didn't like it, but guess what? Now they're saying, at least Dr. Offit and others are saying, yeah, maybe we should probably mask up every year forever to stop the flu. Here you go is we figure out what flu strains have been circulating in places like Australia or South America, which sort of pr- predicts what what strains are likely to come into our, our country. There's been so little flu in those, those two areas. I, I think it's going to be hard for us to try and figure out what flu strains to pick. But you're right. If it's, it's, we mask and social distance every winter, we will see a dramatic reduction in flu, which usually causes hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations and tens of thousands of deaths. I wonder whether that would be will be the lesson uh, from this. Yeah, I wonder if that's gonna be the lesson, mask up forever. Some of us have told you that's a possibility they're gonna push for this. It's part of the mentality. They like the control and they also have so freaked out so many people that they can't imagine just going back to normal life. They don't even know what it's gonna feel like. And then there's Michael Moore. I know, why are we even talking about him? But this is a mentality that's shared by many, including uh, Keith Olbermann, who used to be on MSNBC, who's just now kind of a well-known lunatic. Michael Moore tweeted this out. Olbermann shares the same sentiment, by the way. Texas, we hear you. You didn't want to be part of our electrical grid, and now you've removed your mask mandate and are allowing large crowds to gather. We hear you. COVID is a hoax, so you don't need our precious vaccine. We'll send it to people who are saving lives by wearing masks. All right, point one, this is a giant straw man. It's idiocy. We all know it. No one's saying that COVID is a hoax. That's a total lie. That's not the position that anyone has taken in the state of Texas. Texas has been under lockdown for months and months. Now the government says, okay, we're going to relieve lockdown, and it's... We're saying it's a hoax. That's a, it's, a, it's a bad faith argument from a bad faith polemicist. That's what Michael Moore is. But even beyond that, what about all the Democrats? What about all the minorities who are at greater risk from COVID by the numbers in the state of Texas? I'm just wondering. They should be left out. No vaccine for them. just goes to show you the, the sneering idiocy of liberal elites on this issue and many other issues. It's, it's hard to overstate. It really is. Now let's switch it up a bit. Uh, You have FBI Director Ray talking or asked a question about left-wing violence, Antifa. Here's how he kind of pivots in the answer. A little weird. Play it. So, Senator, uh, certainly we uh, tried to respond aggressively with our partners to uh, the domestic violent extremism that we saw playing out in streets all across the country this summer. Um, uh, most of that activity, a lot of that activity, I would say, fell in what we would categorize as anti-government, anti-authority violent extremism. Some of it is anarchist violent extremism. Some of it is militia violent extremism. Some of it might even be sovereign citizen violent extremism. But we saw a, a huge uptick in violent extremism in that broad bucket. Uh... We're talk, he was asked a question about the BLM riots and he starts talking about anti-government. I thought BLM was, was anti-racism, but it's anti-government? So is there such a thing as left-wing terrorism or no, it's just all muddled in this anti-government? It is it's nonsense. One more for you here. Iana Pressley, member of Congress, wants to lower the voting
2: age. My amendment gets to the heart of H.R. 1 and recognizes the contributions that young people continue to make to our democracy. By lowering the federal voting age from 18 to 16 years of age, my amendment would enfranchise young Americans to help shape and inform the policies that will set the course for our future. From police violence to immigration reform to climate change to the future of work and minimum wage, our young people are organizing, mobilizing and calling us to action. They are at the forefront of social movements and have more than earned inclusion in our democracy.
0: This is, of course, appeals to a core Democrat constituency, people of limited political knowledge and life experience who are easily emotionally manipulated. Teenagers! Let's go for it. 16-year-olds voting. Yeah, that's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.